You are listening to the Conquering Everest podcast. This is episode 50. Welcome to the Conquering Everest Podcast. My name is Brian Talore, and let me just start off by saying thank you. Thank you so much for choosing to spend a bit of your day here with me. Now, if you haven't already, hit that follow button. I'm going to encourage you to go ahead and do so on whatever platform you're listening to us on. That way, you'll never be out of the loop when a new episode uh, is uploaded. And if you haven't shared out, or even if you have shared out on social media, I would encourage you to go ahead and share this episode once you're done listening to it. Uh, you just never know. You never know whose story is, you know, whose story is going to impact somebody. It could change their life. At the very least, it could change their day. So why don't you be, uh, go ahead and be the conduit to that change and share this podcast out to everyone that you know. And lastly, if you'd like to support this show with a monetary donation, please check out the link in the description as it will provide you with all the various avenues to do that. Donations of any size are appreciated and uh, would go a long way in helping this show to continue and uh, help us keep doing what we're doing. Now, in today's episode, I have a conversation with Jeannie Enstead. Jeannie is the author of A Journey to, of Hope to Heaven and Back. She has endured 30 years of trials and tribulations. Now, I'm going to go down this list for you. Check this out. She has gone through five open heart surgeries. She has survived ovarian and breast cancer. She has gone through vascular disease as well as Lyme's disease. She's had multiple strokes, and all of this has equaled out to about two to three surgeries every year. And if that wasn't enough, while she was dealing with all of these physical ailments, she went through a divorce, she lost her job, and of course, her financial situation looked very, very bleak. Now, how did she keep moving forward? How did she keep the faith? Well, Jeannie has been to heaven twice. Uh, she's passed away on two occasions and has visited heaven, which she talks about in our conversation today. But uh, in addition to just that, uh, it's, it's just her faith, her stubbornness, and her attitude. That's why she's still alive to tell her story. So without further ado, here is Jeannie's story. Jeannie Instead, welcome to the Conquering Nervous Podcast. Thank you, Brian. It's a pleasure being here. You've um, you had thirty years of some struggles, so why don't we why don't we start there? Okay, I was um, thirty seven years old, qualified for the Boston Marathon. I was running seven minute miles, ten miles a night, and I was so excited that I finally qualified. And um, about a week after I got the letter that I qualified, I was president of local school board was presiding over the meeting and ended up having pain going down my left arm. I'm like, whatever. So went to my neurologist and he said, you're going to send you to a cardiologist. I'm like, why would you do that? I have no symptoms. That's crazy. I'm in great shape, right? Healthy, you know, eat right, exercise, all that good stuff. Anyway, sent me to the cardiologist and he did a heart cath and said, you know, your mitral valve's bad. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm still going to the race. And he's like, no, you're not. I'm like, I'm not. So all of a sudden, what I was so excited about, you know, I worked so hard to get to this race. And now the race of my life is going into the operating room. And they went in and repaired my mitral valve. 
Four hours later, had a massive stroke, my left lung collapsed, and they had to go in and replace the valve. I went to heaven, experienced what heaven was like then. Um, and come out of it six months later, I'm doing great, and the valve fails again. And I'm actually back to teaching, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding. It's really bad when you go, when you're taken in the emergency room at the hospital, and the janitor comes up and said, oh, no, not you again. <laughs> I was like, I think I've been here too often. But I end up going through another open heart surgery. Um, and from that point on, I went through five open heart surgeries um, and um, just totally shocked. You know, and when I had the stroke, I had to learn to walk again, to talk again. You know, so here I am ready to run a race, which I qualified, was so excited to learning to talk and walk again. That was a shock. That was hard to handle um, mentally, um, meant very much mentally. Um, but I talk about in my book, I'm a German workaholic farm girl, tomboy. And growing up, I worked with my dad on the farm and we worked hard um, and stubborn. I'm probably the most stubborn person you could meet, um, which wasn't always a good thing. Got me in a lot of trouble, you know, and. I, at some point, you know, would not accept help from anyone and got me in a lot of trouble over the years. Um, and I say, you know, then I, I, I got, I should go on. I, you know, I went from being on a blood thinner. I went through numerous surgeries after that. You know, my gallbladder out, had a hiatal hernia, that created complications. I ended up having internal bleeding with that, end up with a blood clot on my heart. So it was just, I was in the hospital two or three times a year for surgeries. And then I end up having ovarian cancer. And um, I was to the point like, really? You know, I talk about how we handle our problems. And I remember when I was told, when I got to the ovarian cancer, I remember going home, going to my closet and sitting there thinking, okay, I'll hide from this. And then of course the reality hits you that, well, guess what? You're not gonna hide from your body. The cancer's inside you. How are you gonna hide from it? So I had to deal with it and dealing with it was a little bit more than I thought, but all these years, you know, I've always had, I thought a strong faith, um, never knew that I really, my faith wasn't as strong as I thought it was until I went through this. Um, but from there I went into, um, breast cancer two years later. Um, then I end up, I had another, um, massive stroke when they, I had breast cancer. So I had to learn to walk and talk again. Um, and then I was leaving physical therapy on a Friday. I was really excited about, you know, I'm gonna work out on my own Saturday morning. It was St. Patrick's day. And Saturday morning, I left the house. I asked my daughter, she was a senior at the time. Do you wanna go with me? And she's like, no, I think I'll do our homework. We'll do something when you get back. And I was so excited because I was back out of the wheelchair again. And, you know, on my own, and this had been so many years after I had already had the first stroke. Um, I'm five minutes from my house. I hit a patch of black ice, end up being all over the road, got hit by a semi head on. He was going 55 miles an hour. I had my car down to 20, but it's still a 75 mile hour impact. He hit the front of my car, took the whole front of my car off and ended up my back seat. So I, um, I was in a body cast. I think every part of my body was broke. And so I took me, I was in the hospital for quite a while at 
Oh, Brian, sorry. That's um, <laughs> so I ended up being um, in the hospital for quite a while there. Um, and I had to recuperate from that surgery. I apologize. <laughs> um, this is not my office. <laughs> That's okay. But anyway, um, had to um, recuperate from that. I was in a, a wheelchair and then a walker. Um, but then um, after I was in the, the accident, got out of the hospital and into the, uh, I was in a wheelchair. About a month after that, I had a neuroma, which is on the right side of my head. No big deal. Went to a hospital and had, um, they put a, it was supposed to do an injection right side of my head. And I, this is uh, in a chapter called Hearing God's Voice. I'm in a wheelchair at this clinic to do an injection. I hear the voice tell me, reschedule. So I wheel my wheelchair over to the nurse and we need to reschedule. She said, honey, you're just, you know, you just had the accident. You're scared. That's probably what it is. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't think so. And so she talked me out of it. That the second time, same thing. Third time, okay, you're out, right? It's like, okay, want something different. So I whirled and I said, we're just, we're just going to reschedule. About that time, another nurse came out and said, we're ready for you. At that point, I should have, you know, here I am, either reschedule or do I go back? And I decided to go back. And long story short, um, doctor got the wrong patient, um, which wasn't, it was a big deal, but it wasn't. But when he did, he took two needles to the right, to the left, and hit the nerve at C5, paralyzed my right side. And, um, you know, I'm just like, really? I, I'm laying in the hospital. They had me transferred to another hospital. And I'm just laying there. And I am so angry at God at this point. I'm like, really? You know, I am like one person. How many new parts do I have to get in my body before this yeah. will be with? And um, so I had to deal with the paralysis on my right side. Um, my hands shook all the time. I could not eat because my it was my my right side is my predominant side. Um, that sort of thing. So then I end up having a massive heart attack. Uh, I had gangrene in my leg, and um, from that point for eight years they've stinted both my legs completely. And um, probably five or six times, uh, I had two or three different surgeons said, we need to amputate both your legs. And I still have my legs. So I'm sorry <laughs> about that. <laughs> Those so, are, uh, yeah. I was gonna say oh, that sorry. kind of, um, you know, when somebody goes through that, I, I always, you know, uh, uh, multiple levels of trauma, whatever you want to call it, pain. Um, I always call those like, uh, hold my beer moments, right? You think you're, hey, I'm done. It's like, no, hold my, you know, like that, that is a lot of, uh, a, just a lot of, you know, just medical, physical traumas. It's, did you, did you ever get any sort of answer to, from a doctor or anything? Is like, why actually, all this is going on? Okay. Yeah, I actually did. They sent me to OSU and did the check my dna checked all this because i have a dad that's 94 years old it's never had any health issue grandpa 97 and grandma 103 so longevity we have no heart we have no cancer nothing in our family so osu decided to do run these tests on me and when they did found out no reason couldn't find any reason but dr george came to me after the testing was done and said Jeannie, we have no idea why but he said i'm going to tell you what why i think he said, the reason you went through this is because you have a story and your story is to be able to go out and help other people that have been through cancer, heart, loneliness, you know, oh, and, I, and I 
forgot to say that I end up going through this alone because my husband left me when I had my first open heart surgery. Mm. So I was raising three kids on my own. Um, so the loneliness was hard, but, um, yeah. And that was his conclusion that Jeannie, you know, he put it on a 30 day prescription pad. You have 30 days to get this book to the publisher. And I go, I'm not a writer. I'm a preschool teacher. I taught high school, junior high. I said, I'm not a writer. I don't like writing, but I had been journaling for, you know, over 28 years. And so he said, pull those journals together. And he goes, God has told you that when this book is published, you'll be healed. And I go, that's not going to happen. And he goes, I don't care. It's the only thing we know what to do because we have no idea what to do with you. I'm like, okay. And that's where probably about 40, 45 days later, all of a sudden, I sent the manuscript in for what is called A Journey of Hope to Heaven and Back. And the great thing is, is that since then, uh, since the book's been published a couple years now, I have been healed. I was supposed to go in for my seventh open heart surgery and my heart reversed itself. My doctors had never seen that happen. I had gangrene my right leg. When the book was published, I was in a wheelchair and I had gangrene. They were going to amputate my right leg. Now I'm playing basketball with my grandsons. I'm running a mile a day and I hope that I'll be able to run a race again. Um, and my right side that was paralyzed um, end up, it started to calm down. I can start to write again. I do deal with fibromyalgia really bad and I deal with nerve damage from what the doctor did. Um, mm -hmm. And that's hard. I deal with it every day. So every morning when I get up, I just always say, God, this is your day, not mine. And I can't, and I physically literally cannot do it without him. So I get in a hot shower, put CBD oil and all this massage stuff over my shoulders and I'm good to go. And it's like, okay, what are we doing today? You know, but I like, I want to tell you a story about my neurologist. When I had the one stroke, I say in my book, he came into my room wearing a running suit. And I say in my book, I don't know whether I was mad because he told me I'd never walk again or talk again in my life or because he was wearing a running suit. <laughs> and once I was able to get out of the wheelchair. I told my daughter, I said, I want you to take me to his office. And I went to his office in a wheelchair and I wheeled up to him and he said, well, I told you, try to tell you in the beginning, you would never be walking again or out of that wheelchair. I got up out of the wheelchair. I looked at him and I turned around and walked away and I go, oh, by the way, I don't need this anymore. And I looked at him, I had a running suit on and I said, I'll see you at the next race. Oh, and wow. his jaw just dropped. I was like, <laughs> yes, I did it. <laughs> so that was Let's, exciting. You had yeah. mentioned that, you know, when this first started for you um, and you had your first heart attack and surgery that you had died and, and went, to, went to heaven. Yes. What did you experience in that moment? Oh, Brian, I love it. <laughs> heaven <laughs> is amazing. Oh, I love it. Amazing. I, you know, when, when I had the open heart surgery, they went and took me back to the operating room. You know, I, it was like my two nurses, Steve and Andrea, all of a sudden it's like my body and spirit were separated. I could see them from above and I'm looking down at them and they're going back and forth. They're both drinking coffee going, the dessert is never going to get here in time. She's going to die. And it's like, I felt like I was screaming at that, telling them I'm fine. I, I'm, I'm fine. Please don't worry. It's, you know, and I watched them take me into the operating room. I saw the surgeon, 
say to the other surgeons there, oh my gosh, she's really young. And I could see they had a tent like over my head. And he grabbed that tent and looked at me and said, she can't be more than 30 years old. We cannot let her die. And I was telling them, I'm fine, I'm fine, stop worrying. At that point, it's like, all of a sudden I looked down and I had what I, a white gown on. And all of a sudden I'm like slowly walking forward, like prancing and I come to these golden gates and then I see golden streets and I walk forward and I hear this voice say, welcome home, my child. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was Jesus. And then I'm greeted by an angel and the angel takes me all over. I seen the book of Revelation. I seen everything in the book, what the book of Revelation says. I saw the beautiful mansions. I saw the beautiful river, the beautiful colors. Everything it describes is amazing. And I heard children, I could hear children playing around me. And as we went through further, we stopped and I heard this voice say, my angel was talking to this person. And then I heard, I couldn't hear what they were saying, but then I heard them say, oh, gotta go. I have work to be, there's work to be done. I'm like, okay. Then I saw what, looked like um i went i saw a fruit tree and it looked like a peach someone took you can see took the peach down and as soon as they took the peach off there was another ripe peach in its place that amazed me and i said to my angel who mows the lawn here and my angel said oh it's always this way it never i said oh so it doesn't turn brown or anything no it's perfect you're in heaven i was like okay and um so I, you know, I got to see, I mean, just amazing things. But I actually went to heaven this, a second time. When I had my head on collision with a semi, I went to heaven the second time. The second time I seen, um, I heard this voice in a garden and I knew it was my grandpa. And I said, that's my grandpa. And I got pulled back. And my angel said, you can't go any further because you're going back. And I said, my grandpa never laughed. My grandpa was a stern German man. I mean, I always felt like I was hugging a tree when I hugged him, you know, <laughs> and I said, my grandpa's happy, happy. And my angel said, it's because he's in heaven. That's why everybody's happy here. So I went to a kitchen. I heard my grandma. My grandma's a great cook. And I said, my grandma's, she's laughing. I never heard my grandma laugh. And my angel said, she's in heaven. That's why. And then I heard this like welcoming group. You know, so welcoming. Everybody was like, it was a party going on. And I'm like, what's that? My angel said, oh, someone's just come to heaven. And we have a, a group that goes out and greets them, takes them around to heaven. And then if they have a loved one here, they go to their loved ones. I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> so <laughs> then it was like, all of a sudden, I seen Jesus. And I saw as much of his eyes to his face, like from his nose to his eyes. Mm-hmm. And the most incredible eyes. And I just, I can't, I can't even put in words what that was like, you know, and he comes up and I hug him and I will never probably hug anyone in my entire life. Like it was with him. And I said, I won't, I don't want to go home. I want to stay. And he said, Jeannie, you're, you cannot stay. You have to go back. You have work to do. I go, I don't want to go back. Please don't make me go back. So all of a sudden he said, okay, I said, okay, I can stay. He goes, yeah, you can stay. I got to stay. He goes, but you have to see one thing first. 
And I'm like, okay. And all of a sudden I look down and this is a little hard for me to talk about, but I look down and I seen my three kids and I, I seen what looked like my dead body on the bed, the hospital bed. I saw Sarah on the left hand and she was crying and she was praying and asking God not to take me. Brad, my oldest son was on the right and he said, God, please don't take my mom. And Doug was just standing there staring. And I said to Jesus, what about them? He goes, I don't know what about them. And I said, who's going to take care of them? I'm all they have. And he goes, then I think you made your decision. So I, I came back and that was, that was a hard one. It really was. But the funny thing is, is that my kids have, you know, gone to college, have their own families. So a few years ago, I said to God, well, actually, you should say a few years ago, it's probably six months ago. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to come back. And he's like, no, that's not the way, that's not going to happen. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Remember, that was the deal. He said, uh, no, that wasn't a deal. That was your deal. Like, what do you mean my deal? And I'm thinking, so I'm thinking in my head, okay, okay. I'm trying to think back. I was like, oh man, you're right. I was the one that made the deal, not you. You didn't agree to it. And he goes, no, I didn't agree to it. So, so I got to stay here longer? Said, <laughs> I'm like, crap. I don't want to have to stay here any longer. I want to go back to heaven. Yeah. And I, that's why I want people to know how beautiful heaven is. We deal with so much evil in this world, you know, so much fear in this world. And if we keep our goal as our destiny is heaven, nothing bothers us. None of this bothers You know, Satan, his job is to attack us, right? And mm -hmm. he knows us better than we know ourselves. He, I mean, he knows my weakness better than I know my weakness. So what he was going to do is attack me in that area and make it sound good. So I'll go with him. But I keep focusing, I want to go to heaven, or I have been twice, or I didn't want to go to hell with him. I choose heaven. And so that's why I try to work with people and say fear is fear, whether it's a coronavirus, whether it's a head-on collision, whether it's loneliness, a divorce, a financial. I lost my job, you know, when I had the accident. So, you know, here I am with Sarah as a senior and having to raise her with no money, no income. You know, so the financial, so I know what it's like to go through all that. And I know Satan attacked me big time with these fears, but I had to on purpose mentally say, no, you know what? I'm not going to let you do this to me because I know what my destination is and I know what I don't want my destination to be. Were you um, a spiritual person before this happened? Like, was that a big part of your life or... Not really. I mean, when I was growing up, when I was 12 years old, I used to get up at four o'clock and milk cows with my grandpa and my dad. And then when we finished milking cows, I'd go up in the hayloft and I'd hang my feet out the window, you know, and I'd sit there and, you know, like I'd say this, this little kid, you know, talking to myself. And I was, didn't exactly, I'll talk about this and without going into detail, my home life wasn't exactly the greatest. Um, with that being said, you know, I used to sit there and I would cry and I would talk. And I felt like all this time I was talking to myself. Little did I know that I was talking to Jesus and he was talking to me back. And so I didn't know how was, you know, and I grew up in a church where we went to catechism and we did all, we did the rituals, but I had, didn't feel like I had a relationship with the Lord until I went to heaven. And then I knew Jesus was for real. And then when I started going through cancer, you know, that's something that if you don't have that faith, then, 
you know, it's like when they were going to amputate my right leg, I remember coming home when they said, we need to amputate your leg. I was devastated. And I remember picking up the Bible and I was angry at God. And I'm like, how could, how, what, when is this going to stop? You can heal me. You can prevent this. Why? And I went into this whole tantrum thing, mad as I'll get out. And finally, I hear him say, are you done? And I'm thinking, and I said, I think I am. I'm not sure yet, but I think I am. And it's like, okay, this is the way it really is. If you believe in me, I will heal your leg. And I was like, what? And I was like, I won't have it amputated. You need to believe. Brian, I'll tell you what, for two weeks, I felt like Job. Because in the book of Job, my friends came to me and said, Jeannie, you need to look at amputees. You need to be smart about this just in case you lose your leg. And I said, no, I am believing God without doubting. If I open my computer and look at amputees, I'm saying I doubt him. Hospital called me and said they would pay to have the surgery with my leg taken off, but wouldn't pay. Dr. George had to go in and put 500 pounds of pressure on my leg. And if you think about putting 30 pounds of pressure in a tire, he put 550 in, the, in my right leg. They would pay for the amputee, but they would not pay for this procedure that he was going to do to try to save my leg. Oh, wow. Long story short, the night before Dr. George was going to do this, I went to church. My pastor, I said, I asked him, I said, would you pray for me for my surgery tomorrow? He said, absolutely. And he prays and he said, so God, if you decide not to save her leg. And all of a sudden I said, stop. You prayed with doubting. And he goes, oh, my gosh, Jeannie, I'm so sorry. And it just felt like I felt like somebody stabbed my heart. Next day when I went for surgery, I went for five hours of Dr. George putting 550 pounds of pressure on that leg. I was screaming at the top of my lungs for five hours. When he was done, he came over and he said to me, we're not out of the woods yet, but you're not going in the next room to have your leg amputated. Mm. And God saved my leg. And from that point on, I knew whatever he told me, I believed without doubting. That's a tough lesson to learn. Yeah. Let's, talk to learn. About, let's talk about your first book. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that, the, the, that your first book is really kind of centered around the experiences that we're talking about here today. Is that- it is. And it's very comical because I believe humor is very important. So my book is very comical. Um, I have people, I get a lot of people that have read it, respond back to me. And they're like, I don't know whether to laugh or cry. Who goes in the operating room trying to get everybody to be comical when you don't know if you're going to come out of there dying of cancer? Um, (laughs) But that's a part of who I am. You know, I believe that I always turn things around. You know, I say your mouth can go this way or it can go this way. And I choose to make it smile. And sometimes I smile, maybe grit my teeth, but I'm going to do it irregardless. So, yeah, I talk a lot about that. I do a lot. I have a lot of scripture Uh, in there based on what I went through. My book was actually, I say it was a project with God and I. I am not a writer and I'm an educator, but definitely not a writer. And when I went to, actually when I sat down to write this book, I had to use a speaking program because I could not use my hand to actually type. So Mm. I just sat down and I said to him, God, this is your book, not mine. Only you know who's going to read it and only you know what they're going through. What do you want them to hear? What do you want them to know? And so I went through my files of the experiences I went through, and I just let him speak through me. And it helped being that I wasn't a speaking program because I could fluently 
hear him talking to me and speaking through me. So it's my, it's his book, not mine. You know, I, I take, I take, no, I'm not a writer. He is. And that is called, we mentioned earlier, but a journey. A journey to heaven and back. Yeah. Does this help? There you go. Yeah, I'm getting a little feedback still, so it let the folks see it. And you've written another book, right? You, you, I'm uh, actually when my first book came out, I had a um, marketing company contact me and said, called me and said uh, they had talked to me about if I was writing a second book, and I said, no, I'm not writing a second book. And they're like, oh, well, when they first called me, they're like, are you just Jeannie? And said, yeah. Did you write the journey of hope to heaven back? Yes. And they're like. So we read the last chapters called Tomorrow. In Tomorrow, you ask God all these questions and ask him, like, am I going to be healed here on earth? Will I meet the man to do mission work with? All these questions I ask him. And his answer was, I'll tell you tomorrow. So then the marketing people said, okay, what happens tomorrow? I go, I don't know. And they're like, you need to let people know what happens tomorrow. I go, I'm not writing another book. And they're like, yes, you are. Well, once I started being healed and didn't have to go in for my open heart surgery and my leg healed. I decided that, yeah, I do. I need to write a second book. So my second book, um, I kind of thrown around the title right now. It's either, um, um, the gift, um, at the end, or I've started a new project called Jesus. Wow. And it's Jesus without walls. Mm-hmm. Jesus meets us where we are. You know, we have, you go in, we have so many uh, denominations and there's always rules. Everybody has the rules and regulations. Jesus isn't about rules and regulations. He meets us where we are. He knows we're sinners and we all, you know, have to, we need that person to be there for us. And he's always there for us. So I want people to know that I'm trying to put a group together to say, we're there for you. It doesn't matter what your past is doesn't matter where you're gone. We're there for you. Jesus is there for us. He's there for you. So my second book, that's what it's about. It doesn't only talk about what God's done since the book was published. Did he fulfill the promises? But it also talks about, I talk a lot about what we're dealing with now, how it relates to uh, Revelation, the book of Daniel, prophecy of Daniel. And I'm really excited about my second book because I, you know, I started out reg- not grudgingly don't wanting to do it. Um, but now I'm so excited about it um, because God has just given me so much. And so my goal is let's, I want to, you know, Jesus, I need to also say this, Jesus, this is the message I'm leaving you with. Tell my people, I love them and I will be soon home soon to get them. And people ask me, well, did he do time and dates? I get that all the question all the time. Did he tell you when? Did he tell you, I should know. But I said his message is we don't need to know the time and the day. We just need to be prepared whenever it is, whether it's the end times or be like when I had an accident, I could have died then. So it doesn't matter the end times. You know, people say, you may, I'm sure there's a lot, a lot of things out there. People trying to determine when, what day it's going to be, what time it's going to be. You know what? None of that really matters because we just need to be prepared whenever it is. Because it doesn't matter when the world comes in. We get, our world could end at any moment. And so I, my goal is to help people to be prepared. I want people to know how beautiful heaven is. And I want people, I want to help people to give them steps to have a, a personal relationship with the Lord. And how to help them to overcome fear. You know, and how to overcome trials in life. 
and I want to use my experiences. I say my experiences, I have heart knowledge, not just head knowledge. When someone tells me they're going through something, I cry with them. I feel like it's happening to me. And I know now, I see the bigger picture, although I was angry for years, what I continue to go through, I see the bigger picture of what God's seen. And I, he has a purpose for each one of us. And I help people to understand what their gifts are and to use those gifts and to live their life in those gifts. Because I say, when you're doing what you do, you never work another day in your life because you just have total joy in your life, no matter what you're going through. You know, James says, you know, James once talks about, you know, trials, uh, we should be joyful in trials. And I talk about that in my book. And I said, I looked at that and thought, you are, you're kidding, right? This is a stupid comment. But then <laughs> I realize now that he's 100% right. And we can't have joy in our trials, no matter where they are. And, and I also work with people that have lost loved ones. And I say, it's hard for us to lose a loved one, but for them, we need to celebrate. They finally earned their wings to go home. You could ask, I'm, I'm sure if they were ever to talk to you right now, they would say, as much as I love you, I do not want to come back because heaven's the ultimate place. So I say, celebrate. You know, I had a gentleman just call me a few weeks ago from California and said, you don't know me, but I read your book twice. And he said, I was just told I have cancer and I only have two weeks to, to live. He said, I was devastated. But he says, you know what? I read your story twice. And he said, I can't wait to go now. And he said, thank you for doing that. You know, that's all, it, that's all it's about. We're here to help each other, you know, not to be against each other, but together. Yeah, it's beautiful to think about. And and I've, and I've consciously tried to... Um, you know, anytime I go through any sort of suffering, I try to not ask the why, why me, why me, but rather what, what do you want me to do, f you know, or learn from this? Um, for anybody that's listening, uh, you know, uh, you've got the book out there now. Do you have any other, do you have a website, social media, any other ways for people to connect with you if they? I have a Facebook page. Um, I, gosh, Brian, I do have a website uh, and it's, um, Gosh, I can give you that. I don't have. Yeah, we'll get it. We'll put I'll it in the description. Um, and I also, if anybody wants to call me, I'll give you my phone number. Um, I don't know if you want me to give it to you now or have you to put that on there. Yeah, I'll have them. Uh, yeah, I'll put something in the description. That way they can come through me to get that information rather than because uh, you just never know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, yeah and absolutely. I, you know, I always tell when I was in education, I always said my door is always open, you know. Mm -hmm. One thing I brought my kids up with, and, um, honestly, is I told them we have to agree to disagree. And I think this is important in life. You know, we're not always all going to agree, but we need to respect each other's thoughts. And with my kids, I would always say, my door is always open. We need to sit down and talk. Communication is important. If we can communicate, we're good. And they would, you know, they tell me how they felt. I tell them how I felt. And we may not have agreed, but we respect each other and come up with a, a solution. And if we can't, we just say, you know what? We don't try to argue to get each other to, to look at, you know, to agree with, with the other. We just say, you know what? I respect you for what you're saying. We don't agree on this. That's okay. I still love you. And I know this is hard to believe, but I've never once had an argument with any of my kids. Never once. <laughs> 
And it's because we agree to disagree. And I think that's so important in life. Communicate, open up, agree to disagree. You know, I mean, and if you can keep that door communication open, you can conquer so much. It's when we hold it inside that people, we're not mind readers. People can't read what we're trying to say or what we're going through. And the only way you can really talk about something is to um, or resolve something is to talk about it. And I think that's really important. But it's not to argue. It's not to take someone down. You know, we need to be elevators. We need to build each other up. And I my thing is, I, you know, positive. I just feel we need to be positive, not negative. You know, when we play the victim role, we get what we play with. And, you know, if you play a victim, you're going to be a victim. And I, you know, as many times as I had my moments of poor me, but I got out of that really quick because poor me didn't go very far. And I had to say, okay, I need to, and you need to do it on purpose. You know, Mm -hmm. we have to make a decision on purpose that, yeah, this may look bad, but guess what? There's always something positive out of it. And let's find the positive. And there can be a ton of negatives, but there's always some positive. And what's the positive? What's the lesson? Like you said earlier, what's the lesson in this? I learned that the hard way. I need to, I always say to people, don't do the stupid things I did because you will not have to go through all the trials I did if you don't, if you're not stupid like I was. (laughs) Because learn the lesson the first time because the sooner we learn, the easier it is and the less lessons we have to go through. And that's always just my goal. And I always say also, you know, when you're having a bad day, the best way to get out of yourself is to help someone else. Go help someone else. Make someone else's day a great day. And that's the best way of getting out of ourselves. I, I agree. Jeannie, uh, it's been uh, been wonderful having you on the show. You're, you know, had I not known um, about everything that you've been through, I would have never guessed it. You know, you've got a great outlook on life and, and you've got kind of this glowing joy that comes from you. So, uh, you know, it, it, I thank you for that because, you know, it, it's a good reminder, I think, for all of us as we go through those struggles and we have those moments of arguing with God or, you know, um, arguing with life for those who who who, who haven't found um, their their spiritual way yet. But you know, I think everything that you've said is just a, is is a good reminder for us and how we should approach those struggles and 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 walk in our in in our life and celebrate um, you know every day that we have here. So I thank you for coming on the show and sharing all that. And um, you know, I I think we we should stay in touch, and I will follow up with you after that next book, and we'll see how things have uh, have changed even more for you. So yeah, I um the next book should be out in hopefully a couple months. Okay, um, manuscripts finished. We're just putting a book form, working on the cover right now, so it should be out in a couple months. But I'm really excited about. Also, there could be a possible movie. Okay. Um, we just finished. We um, the movie screen's finished, and it just came through. I just got the copyright on it yesterday. Nice. So, um, wow. talking to some movie producers right now about a movie being done on the story, and the goal is just to help people get through life. Yeah. You know. And none of this would have been possible unless you went through what you had to go through. You know. So. Yeah, I, you know, I keep telling God, you know, could we have done this a little differently? <laughs> yeah. You know, I keep telling that. The one thing I, I really want to um, say real quick is that feedback I've got from 
I got variational feedback on my conversation with God. I have some people say, oh, you know, why would you put that in a book? Because, you know, that's not who we are. I said, you know what? We're no surprise to God. And you know what? When you're angry, he already knows it. So get it out and say what you got to say and then turn around and say, you know what? I am so sorry. I, I didn't mean what I said, but because he already knows that. He knows us better than we know ourselves. So, you know what? I'm glad I put that in my book because a lot of people, it's helped a lot of people. People that said, I didn't think I was allowed to do that. I go, you know, he already knows you anyway. What makes a difference? So that's well, hang tight. Hang tight. I'm going to have a conversation with you offline. And um, But thanks again for being on the show. And everybody, Thank make you sure you go it. check out that book. And Well, there you go. There you have it. My conversation with Jeannie Anstead. I I still, to this day, uh, a, a few weeks have passed since I've had that interview and uh, am now uploading it here to Conquering Everest. But, uh, you know, still today, it, it just I can't fathom what life would be like going through all of the traumas and all of the trials and tribulations that she has gone through. I hope I hope I never have to go through that. Uh, but I am glad, Jeannie, that you are feeling good. You're feeling, uh, you're, you're, you're healed. Uh, your faith is strong and you're doing uh, wonderful things to your books. So, uh, keep up the good work. If anybody would like to get in touch with Jeannie, just let me know. I can help you get in touch with her. My email is brian at conqueringeverest.com. That is it for today's episode. So until next time, I'll leave you with this. Aim high, be courageous and go do amazing things.